went back and added to that another concordance study of the Spirit of God, and I'm working on the concordance study of the Spirit. Now, of course, you get when you start doing that, you just end up with verses that are referring to the man's spirit, all kinds of verses. So it takes takes a while to sort through them and re, you know open them, find them all, read them all, make sure that they fit what I'm trying to accomplish here. So I'm just adding, I've just added that in here. But so um, so that's what we're doing is looking at verses that uh, identify either the Holy Spirit in the context or the Spirit of God is what they should be. Again, there will be overlap as we continue to look at these. Uh, verses. Uh, sometimes we're going to pick them up again someplace uh, along the way, maybe in a more detailed fashion. Uh, sometimes they are verses we've already, you know, again, looked at or whatever. N- not looked at in this case because we haven't been in the New Testament, but just, uh, I guess, just be tolerant of the overlapping. I know you may say, oh, we just looked at that verse two weeks ago. Yeah, we did look at that verse two weeks ago. But we're looking at it from a different perspective right now or a different reason right now, and we'd like to do that. So what I've done with these verses concerning the New Testament to the best of, my, best of my ability. I've broken them up between what I'm going to refer to as a general overall ministry of the Holy Spirit to believers in the New Testament era. And then I'm going, we're going to look at verses in another week in the, that will look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in relationship to the life and ministry of Christ. Okay? And then finally, we'll look at verses that will look at Christ using the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. That'll be specifically coming out of John 14 through 16. And so that will be um, sort of the three different ways we're going to look at these, at these verses from the New Testament. So these verses today are going to be more in a general, just things that the Holy Spirit has done or the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of believers. And then we'll build on that. As we, move, as we move forward. So with that in mind, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This, is, of course, is not the first reference in the book of Matthew to the Holy Spirit because of the references about Christ and the conception and so forth, but th- this is just a verse that we'll start with. It's, not, it's really not what you'd, I guess, refer to as maybe a huge uh, verse, but it, uh, in a sense of, con- of uh, implication, but we will read this here. <clears throat> this is, again, from the, the message of John the, B- the Baptizer, and in John chapter, in Matthew chapter 3, excuse me, verse 11, uh, he says here that, I, am, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and and so uh, here is the, the first indication of the promise of the fact that there is going to be this matter of baptism by Christ of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll talk again when we get to the part about the Holy Spirit and believers today. We'll talk more about baptism and what it is biblically and, and so forth. But just, just an indication of something the Holy Spirit is going to do, something that John the Baptizer was aware that Christ would do would be this matter and as we think about baptism, and I know we've had some baptismal um, water baptisms recently, and so it's sort of been discussed or detailed there, but when we talk about baptism, we're talking about two, two aspects. We're talking about obedience to the command of the Scripture to be baptized, and we're also talking about the act of identification. Uh, water baptism is something that we do 
to identify with all those down through the years that have also become believers and have been water baptized. So we're just continuing to put on, can I say, a uniform and, and identify with one another that we've been baptized. And so that is another idea. So that's something that the, the John knew that the Holy Spirit was going to do, that Christ was going to do with the Holy Spirit to the believers in the future. Matthew chapter 12, please. This is a, uh, a prophecy by uh, Isaiah. I begin reading with verse 16, and uh, it's obviously dealing with the matter of the Messiah. But uh, yet he warned them not to make him known, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. And this, of course, fits in with what we see throughout the, the Gospels, this uh, combined ministry of Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm just going to say something, and then I'll, it'll get added to probably in weeks to come. But let me, let me just suggest to you, as, as you consider the matter of Christ, Christ in his earthly ministry and the Holy Spirit, obviously in some context, clearly enabling Christ to do something in the way of a miracle, way of an accomplishment. Other times Christ is seen acting without any reference to the Holy Spirit uh, in, in that situation. Can I, can I suggest to you that you try to think along the, the lines of it wasn't something lacking in Christ that required the Holy Spirit to come along and minister to him and through him. It was not something lacking in Christ. It was just a, another wonderful demonstration of the teamwork, if I can use that expression, between the two members of the Godhead, God the, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They were just working together in complete, perfect harmony to accomplish what the, the will of God had already set forth. So don't think about it in the sense of that the Holy Spirit had to come and, and help Christ. It wasn't that. that. That says something about Christ in his earthly, in his, in his role as God-man that's not true, but just see it as a, another marvelous indication or demonstration of that wonderful teamwork that exists between God, God three, all three persons that God had, but specifically in this particular situation, God the Spirit and God the Son. So just something to think about along the way as we move through these. So then if you would turn over to Mark chapter 12 and verse 36. <clears throat> And this is just more or less an acknowledgement of what has happened, and this is uh, in one of those opportunities that Christ has to take and put his stamp of approval on the Old Testament, his stamp of approval on, the, on different individuals out of the Old Testament in the way of ministry. And Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, obviously, you understand that Christ is <clears throat> making a declaration here in this very statement of his deity. And he's defending himself here in this synagogue uh, um, setting, uh, a temple, excuse me. And, and so he is defending that. But notice that he very clearly 
gives credit for David's words, not to David, but to the Holy Spirit. Um, again, it's nothing unusual for us to think in that, those terms or for us to recognize that. But in the time of Christ, there were um, a lot of probably practicing Jews that weren't believing Jews, and obviously represented by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, uh, and so even though the Pharisees believed the letter of the law, they didn't necessarily believe the spirit of the law. And, but Christ goes back and says, look, right here in this Old Testament that you hold in such high regard, it, when David said something, it wasn't David's words, it was the very words of the Holy Spirit himself. And then over to Mark chapter 13. In verse 11, this is, um, maybe read from verse 9, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before your rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached in all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So again, this is a definite promise on the part of Christ, and this is again reiterated in some ways in, in John 14 through 16. But these are the, the, very, the promises of Christ of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these individuals in times of need, in times of difficulty, in times of distress. Now in this particular case, I think that we are probably talking about direct revelation. Uh, it's uh, probably referring to I mean, from between the time of Christ's death and the first book of the New Testament is approximately 15 years. So for at least that period of time, um, they did not have what we have in the way of the epistles. Um, even the Gospels, the earliest Gospel was written, again, also about 15 years after the time of, of Christ. And so you have that time period when they were obviously being persecuted. The per great persecution took place in and at the end of Acts chapter 7, beginning of Acts chapter 8. And so, but the Holy Spirit was going to enable them to give the apology for their faith, for the defense for their faith. Now, I believe that there is a benefit of this even to us today. This is one of those things, you know, I used to, when I was pastoring, I would step aside and, and tell people, I'm not standing from behind the pulpit when I say this, I'm just giving you my opinion. Um, but I think that the Holy Spirit still reminds us of those kinds of things. I, uh, sometimes I've been asked questions, and I haven't thought about that question in who knows when, if ever, and, <clears throat> and I really don't have, <clears throat> I know I'm not going to, he gives me the answer from something I already know. Now, again, he's not giving me special revelation. He's not giving me something brand new. But the things that I've studied from the Word of God he will remind me of those ver the appropriate verses to use to defend what I need to defend in those circumstances. So you need to read the Scripture. You need to hide God's Word in your heart. You need to know as much of it as, you, as possible. Even if you think you've forgotten it, God the Holy Spirit is able to bring it back to you, just like I mentioned about Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 this week. So, so there is, again, this promise of, for, at least for those disciples, if you don't want to bring it into today, that's up to you, but... Um, for those disciples, um, the promise that he, they would be assisted, that they would be given the right words to say at the time. 
And, um, you know, I'm sure they were asked questions that they hadn't really thought about ever getting, and they had to answer them from the things that Christ had taught them and the things that they were trying to remember. So this is, I think it's a, it's a, one, it's a wonderful promise personally, and I believe it's, it is a wonderful promise. So turn on over then to Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> and I'm just going to ask a couple of you to read, uh, just again to keep you involved and so forth. So I need somebody to read Luke chapter 1 verse 15, John. Luke chapter 1 verse 41, Amos. Uh, Brenda, would you read uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 67? And I need one more for right now, please. Judy? Uh, Luke 2, um, it's, it's a rather long passage, Judy, but t- verses 25 through 34. Luke 2, 25 through 34. Okay. So again, uh, these are just brief passages, but these are things that the Holy Spirit are recorded in the scripture that the Holy Spirit did for these particular individuals. John, uh, Luke one fifteen, please. For ye shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Okay. And this is reference to John the Baptizer, that he would be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, we, in our setting, from our perspective, that filling would be unusual even for, for our setting, even though we believe that the filling of the Holy Spirit is available to us according to Ephesians chapter 5. But John was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. He was going to live a consecrated life from the womb. Uh, he was going to uh, do things, uh, live differently than even people, his neighbors lived, even other members of his family lived. And so um, it's, a, it's a, again, a, um, an unusual, this is an unusual reference, but a reference nevertheless to the filling of the Spirit. Again, what I would refer to in that Old Testament economy. Luke one forty one, please. Amos? And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So then also Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Brenda, Zachariah, excuse me, Luke one sixty seven. Okay, go ahead. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Okay. Um, again, just um, what a family it must have been to be around, huh? That they were all in that kind of relationship with God and walking with God and not, and not that way. Uh, we have seen no, re- no reason to believe that John the Baptizer was anything but an only child uh, since Elizabeth conceived at a late age. Uh, supernaturally to do that to do this in a sense but so yeah just a very interesting uh, put the pieces together and see this family uh, filled with the spirit of God in this way and then Judy a rather long passage around about Simeon please Lord, now you will lay your servant 
Okay, thank you. So I had to read just the, the entire pronouncement, the whole passage for that reason. But uh, notice the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit had revealed something to him, and then he came in the Spirit. And so we see, again, a very uh, controlled event, a very controlled action that was all related to, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this particular time. And then if you turn it with me to Luke chapter 11, um, from the note I have here, I believe this is a repetition of what we just read in Matthew, Mark, but um, Matthew, Luke chapter 11, verse 13. No, it's, no it is, actually it isn't. So, uh, Luke 11, 13. Um, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And... Um, so again, just a future reference to the Spirit and the ministry that the Holy Spirit was going to have to these disciples and to this ministry. And it's actually chap chapter 12, verse 12, that was a rep uh, another reference to the passage from Mark. Uh, Luke chapter 12, it reads with verse 11, Now when they bring you to the synagogues, the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. <clears throat> now, how many of you like, would have liked to have that power when you were taking tests somewhere along <clears throat> the way? <clears throat> you don't have to study. <clears throat> you don't have to prepare. <clears throat> Somebody, the proctor will whisper in your ear what the answer is to the, to the questions you don't have an answer to. And, uh, the, I mean... Uh, I think if I had been a disciple, this would have been one of the promises I would have put at the very, very top of my praise list, <laughs> to have this particular promise that he was going to do this for me, because it, it had to be really th frightening to consider all that was going to happen to them in the future. I mean, when they took Christ and took him and from them and tried him in, a, in an illegal way and put him on the cross, and he died on the cross, and even though they saw him as a resurrected Lord, it still had to have been a very sobering, sobering event for them to, because I'm sure they were anticipating that victorious Messiah, which is projected uh, in the Old Testament, and to, for that to not to come out must have been something that was, can I say scary, <laughs> frightening, uh, at least very apprehensive. Then turn with me please to John chapter 3. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, one that we all know well. Um, it's one that we're going to come back to later when we deal with the uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit to, to, the, to the believer today. Um, and so I'll leave most of my observations or comments to that. Uh, just in light of what we're going to read here in a moment, can I just say to you that <clears throat> I've always... I can't, I, I've thought about that, I shouldn't say I've always, because obviously I haven't always, because there was a time when I didn't know anything, uh, what, what little bit I know now is not much, but didn't know anything, but uh, for many years I've felt that 
that we have not really fully appreciated the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And just because the Old Testament doesn't go into great detail about it, it all fits the concepts of progressive revelation. Uh, I don't have all the answers about what he, what he did in the Old Testament. I just have some thoughts about it that I'll share more as we move along. But here, let me just read these particular verses to you here in John chapter 3. So Christ and Nicodemus are having this discussion, and Christ says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so everyone is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. And so Christ here speaks of the regeneration regeneration of the um, individuals by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he, just leave a word for you to think about, but he fully expected Nicodemus to understand. He fully expected Nicodemus to have an answer, to have a response. And then all the way over to the book of Acts, skip the rest of the book of John and get to the book of Acts. And again, I'm going to ask a couple of you, I need somebody to read Acts 1-2. Beverly and um, Linda, would you please read Acts 1-8? Beverly, please. Acts chapter 1, verses 2 and 8. You're only reading 2, sorry, but verse 2. Okay. And again, this combined work of the ministry of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Christ's words were spoken. It was him speaking to them. It was with him delivering this message, but again, this uh, joint ministry of the two persons of the Godhead together. And then um, maybe one most powerful verse in all of the book of uh, Acts is chapter 1, verse 8. Okay. And... Um, just a, while, you know, just that we're, we're here um, many years later, but we're here as a product of this verse. This verse, the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to take it from place to place to place to place. And though it took a while, you know, for it to get here to America, um, it, it is part of the uttermost part of the earth, and it all comes back to the Spirit coming upon these original disciples, original witnesses, and enabling them to begin the spread of, of this gospel. And then over to Acts chapter 5, um, this is a more of a, I guess I'll say an implied passage, but I just want us to look at it for a moment. Um, this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, them coming and... Uh, and uh, misrepresenting what they had done in the way of uh, charity, in the way of, of stewardship, the way of giving. 
Uh, if you pick back up into chapter 4, verse 36, and, uh, and Hoseas, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is encouraged, son of, son of, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so this is interesting. He's not even from Israel at that point in time. He's actually a native or living in Cyprus. And he did this. And then Ananias and Sapphira come. And uh, Ananias, um, you know, he comes and says, uh, you know, this is, what, this is what my wife and I did. We just went out and sold this piece of property. And here's our proceeds from it. This is our gift. And uh, it appears that he was trying to just gain favor in, a, in the church community at the time. Uh, my, impl- my, my thoughts about this is that Barnabas gave credit to the Holy Spirit for leading him to do what he did, okay? Ananias more or less is saying the same thing as he comes in and delivers this because then, you know, but instead of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was actually filled with Satan. And so it, it just it, it takes a little jump, jump, jump to get here, uh, but I'm just implying to you that even here that we see Barnabas doing something as a result of being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, I think there's a danger, then a warning here that we need to be careful that what we're uh, indicating that the Holy Spirit led us to do, that we need to be very careful that it really was the Holy Spirit that led us to do it and it wasn't some um, carnal uh, ambition. It wasn't we didn't do it just to, to sow that. I um, I mean, I'm always, th- I'm, I'm thankful um, for the security, can I use that word, the privacy that we maintain over our giving uh, in our way, the way we give in our churches today, in, at least here in America, just from the vantage point that people can't do this, they can't do give just to get personal credit or personal acclaim. Uh, nobody knows what somebody else is giving. Um, and uh, so, but in this particular case, I think that Barnabas w- probably gave credit to the Holy Spirit for leading him to do this. Ananias basically says, you know, my wife and I, are, we're being led by the Spirit to do this also. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't lead them to lie. Okay, so our, obviously Barnabas' uh, conclusion or giving, trying to include the Holy Spirit in this, in this whole thing is, is, is wrong, is, is uh, incorrect. Acts chapter 7, <clears throat> and this is just a historical uh, reference to, um, again, Stephen here basically speaking to probably a, a, essentially a Jewish audience a, a group, uh, says, uh, calls them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you, which of the prophets did your father not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the portrayers and murderers. And so, um, again, we've looked at another verse about this previously, about the the fact that we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit to individuals in the Old Testament, and we see their resistance recorded here. And so, again... uh, Opening up some thoughts about all that the Holy Spirit was doing in the, in the two individuals in that Old Testament setting, and then probably what will be our last verse today, Acts chapter thirteen.
Today I'm going to read a, a lengthy passage of Scripture. This is about the Holy Spirit separating uh, Paul and Barnabas for their mission, what we refer to as their missionary uh, ministry. Uh, and uh, just, that, again, just the evidence of the Holy Spirit working so closely in these, what we would refer to as church plants <laughs> in, in that particular day and time, these mission, these uh, specifically Paul and Barnabas going out at this time and, and um, preaching the gospel and seeing people saved and then seeing churches uh, started. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Acts 13, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from them. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And again, just a, a demonstration here in this, the book, The Acts of the Apostles, or The Acts of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Holy Spirit separating these two individuals specifically to do something different. They were um, probably very comfortable uh, in their church setting, and, and uh, probably very comfortable in the role that God had given them there. And God says, nope, I want you to go somewhere else. I want you to do something else. And they set out on, as we would review uh, Paul's life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, they set out on a um, serious uh, adventure, endeavor of danger and persecution and trouble. And it all starts here. And no sooner did it get started with an opportunity to present the gospel, and somebody actually came in and started who know I, I can't, it's not enough in the context here to really know, but who knows what all kind of a, um, what can I say, um, a ruckus, if, I, if you allow me to use that expression, uh, was, was created by, by uh, this man in, in opposition of the, of the true gospel. But again, the Holy Spirit gave Paul the, the answers, the right way to respond and how to respond, and also gave him power in this particular case, which we do not have access to, but gave him power in this particular case to, to uh, refute this man and to silence him, to put him to, put him to shame in a, in, in a, in a sense, to, to stop him from his attacks on the gospel at this particular time. I wanted to share something. Uh, it's a little personal, and it, it's just, again, it's, it's personal, okay? So... Um, I'm not, you know, I started, I started in Bible college in, 
I think 1970. Um, and so Probably beginning about probably beginning then, I started writing notes, make, taking notes, doing whatever and whatever. And for as long as I can remember, I just always, when I came down to writing down the, the Holy Spirit, I always just wrote HS, capital H, capital S. But I'll tell you, in doing this study, I have been so convicted about doing that that. Um, it's still a habit. I still have to struggle when, I, when I'm writing my notes. But I have just been, I, I've just been, I just have been bothered by the fact that, that I have just, what I feel, I, you, don't, you don't have to feel this way, okay? You, don't, you can use, do that the rest of your life if you feel comfortable with it. But I hope I'd never go back to doing that. I mean, it's shorter than the Holy Spirit or God the Holy Spirit or, or whatever. But I have been so convicted about just putting HS in my notes when I write that out that I have worked really, really hard at trying to make sure that I give God the Holy Spirit proper credit in my mind for who he is. He's not just initials on a piece of paper, that he is a person and that he is God and that he is in every instance called holy. And so I just... It's just been something that's just been a personal um, thing for me. And um, so just share it with you just to, just to think about. Maybe you don't take enough notes and whatever to make a difference. But, you know, for somebody that's been more of where I am, I've done that who knows how many times. And um, just not comfortable with it any longer. And I trust I'll never go back to being comfortable with it either. Father, thank you that you have given us the Spirit of God. We thank you that he is holy and righteous, eternal. We thank you that he is our comforter, that he is the one that's called alongside to help us, the one that's, long, that's called alongside to exhort us. And I just thank you that you have been so gracious to us. You give us your word, you give us life. But most of all, as believers, you give us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks.